Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. K-Nut. Howard. What's going on? We have 72 ads to get through. Every portfolio company sent me for something. Get ready. It'll only take about half an hour. I'm going to pull one out of the hat. Oh, I've got, I've got two. Manscaped. They don't need my help, but I just love them. He's going to be on later today. Oh, great. Uh, the um, market had a good day. Really? Yeah, first good day in a while. I'm just going to take a look here, see how much money. That means it's going to tank tomorrow, right? Probably. That's what bear markets do. They just give you a little bit of hope and then <laughs> samurai Sam you. The March 25th or 4th? 24th still. Time has stood still, and we uh, have a special guest today. It's not my wife. She's coming on, though. Ellen, talk about residential real estate. Today is my sister-in-law, not Ellen's twin, my other sister-in-law, the neglected one. No, she's not. She's uh, she's a killer entrepreneur and commercial, built up a huge commercial uh, real estate business here, and she's going to talk about the panic. She's been through a few crises in this town, this boom-bust town that they call Phoenix. Phoenix. And you can get some free tips, um, but not on the residential. You're not commercial stuff. No. So uh, it's Beth Jo Zeitzer. She kept her maiden name. I've met her husband. He's my brother-in-law. I'm glad she kept her name. He's a putz. The, <laughs> they're both lawyers. She, she dumped law to go and build a commercial real estate business. So I think if anybody knows what's going on, in, in, especially in this town, and this town is a pretty big center of commercial real estate, uh, it'll be Beth job. So it'll be fun talking about business. We never talk about business. We're always talking about me <laughs> or Ellen's always talking about me and why she should have left me 20 years ago. The, uh, why didn't she? Again, I don't know. We'll find out from Beth Joe. She should have told her. <laughs> Beth Joe introduced us. Oh really? Yeah. So I kind of have a grudge against her. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to get her on the phone, but first, uh, I'm going to do two ads. I'm going to read fast. First one's pay it off. Really important company at this time for so many Americans because of uh, school being canceled and debt on the rise, student debt. Uh, Venture backed by us, so uh, full disclosure. And they're building the next generation of B2B repayment solutions for student debt. They built the first, very first federal debt API that helps any fintech or financial institution address student loans within their financial service product. The average borrower saves 3K, $3,000 per year from their personalized assessment enrollment functionality. That's real money. I don't know what the average size of a loan is, but that's real money. These probably 70 to 100 grand. These tools are especially helpful right now, obviously with COVID-19, as millions of borrowers are losing part of their income or their jobs entirely. Companies using Pay It Off's API can provide immediate relief by enrolling them in income-driven repayment plans and forgiveness options. Uh, hit them up, payitoff.io. They can probably forward you to the right uh, apps, et cetera. It's a, it's a startup. But uh, Bobby, who we're going to have on the show to talk about federal uh, the debt here today and what students can do because it's complicated, very complicated. It's over my pay grade. But when you see what they built, it's phenomenal. Bobby's a sh- super sharp cat. Um, next up, one of our... Uh, 
rocket ship companies. So silly. Manscaped.com. Paul Tran's going to be on. Have you met Paul? I have. You've seen the pitch? Yeah. Mic drop pitch. The uh, You've changed it to Manscaped with a K, but it's really Manscaped with the C. I know. Racist. This message <laughs> is brought to you. These guys are the best advertisers, so I had them write me some copies. So this is me reading as a professional. I want you to take a second and look down. When was the last time you shaved your junk? It's been a while. Don't lie. Manscaped holds you accountable to get rid of the funk and to shave your junk. Grooming is essential nowadays, but I know a lot of you are still hesitant to manscape. You're afraid you may cut yourself. I do, which is understandable. That's why this revolution, by the way, that makes me feel alive sometimes, just manscaping. <laughs> That's why this revolutionary company has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 3.0 features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents so this trimmer won't nick or snag your skin. Kind of a bummer when you're my age. Just that, that feeling of <laughs> a lot. that attention. Yeah, well, I just feel, oh, it's just like okay. taking a hit of a blow. Take my advice and go to manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S, not with the K, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. And try the Lawnmower 3.0. Hilarious. Their ads are hilarious. They have this video where, a YouTube video where grandparents are reading rude reader comments about how they love their manscapes. It's like 80 year old women reading. Oh, my balls have never felt this good. And probably cost them $4 to make the ad. It's viral. <laughs> so we're going to talk about marketing in an era of technology with Paul later. Cause uh, if you know how to market, you never need to panic. If you know how to sell, you never need to panic. If you know how to code, you probably never need to panic everywhere else right now in the world. Uh, things are up in the air. So let's get uh, my sister-in-law, Beth Joe Zeitzer, knock on the phone. She's got nine. It's like the Waltons. This is Beth Joe. It is. This is Howard. Hey, Howie. How you doing? I'm doing good. You Go are. Ahead. Are you at the office? Uh, home office for now. Good. I am. You're barricaded. Yes. Floor, yeah. floor, what floor? <laughs> is Adam barricaded? Did you send Adam to a different home or is he with you? Uh, you know what? Adam can hardly stand himself. He's just, he doesn't know what to do. He needs to, he needs to be around. He's um, a lawyer. So he's not, lawyers have a hard time remote working. That's what I Lawyers have a hard time remote working. Um, and I have my staff on, everybody's working from home and doing great. And they check in in the morning and they check out at night and we have all kinds of great info to share. So it's good. Are you Zooming with people or are you slacking intracompany or is that just um, not, a, you're not a technology driven firm? Multiple Zooming uh, meetings a day. So Zooming, conference calls, the whole deal, you know, lots and lots of emails, but we're doing, we're really utilizing Zoom, which I had really never utilized until this time. But what's interesting, because I was a Zoomer and uh, I think the kids, uh, Ruben, Ben, and Aaron probably, I don't think they had, it's the first time where adults knew about something before the kids. Yeah. Well, they, they like FaceTime better than they like Zoom because they think Zoom is really more old old people meeting stuff versus <laughs> FaceTime is really all about like looking at people one-on-one. Yeah. yeah. I can't FaceTime. It's too close. The, um, it's too close so- and I never look good. Somehow that, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I like, it just doesn't work. Yeah. I could be right, right home from the salon and I'm still not, it's yeah. still not working for me. No, I see Ellen do it with Rachel and I'm like, there's two people that shouldn't be FaceTiming. The, it's just like two faces smushed into a screen talking at each other. <laughs> the, the, um, 
I want to give people a little background. So Beth Jo actually introduced me. Well, I didn't know she introduced me. She, you tried to hook me up with Ellen, correct? You were yeah. What is it? A shtittle? What do you call it? No, I think we we call this. Um, it's a shidduch, yeah. right? When yeah. you bring people together, right? Yeah, because it's like you're shitting all over somebody by introducing uh, them. But in but in the case of my sister, right? It would. There's no shit there. No, right? no, no, no. So you yeah. tried to get her to go out with me. We had one date. I sweated like I was coming off a bender. I was sweating. She dumped me. It was no second date. And then she woke me up at like three in the morning one time and said, "Let's try it again." Aw, yeah. I like that. I hung up yeah. on it. The, yeah. uh, <laughs> so you've been married longer than me. How long have you been married? We are married for 33 years. Wow. In college? No, right after. So, like, right after first year, my first year in law school. So Betro has, this is Betro's like a miracle woman. She's got her own massive business. She's got... Uh, Married 33 years. She's got three boys who are fucking the best. She's got Aaron, who worked for one of our portfolio companies last year, Secfi. She's got Ruben, who is a man about 10 and sales machine. Uh, extraordinary. Still finishing finishing college this year. Aaron's second year or third? Aaron's a junior. Aaron's a junior. And then Ben just yep. got into law school. So how the fuck do you do it? What What's the secret? They are. Well, it's they're not Adam. So, well, <laughs> you know what? They're, they're just... They're a lot of fun. They're amazing kids and they're, they're driven, which is wonderful. So they all have their own thing. And, and I think we just have to let them find their own way and, and magically they do. So I'm still hoping I get somebody in commercial real estate. Yeah. Maybe Ruben, maybe Max, Max is doing yeah. some work for you right now. What um, are the boys home or did Ben come back from school um, at law school or no? No, Ben is still in Portland, uh-huh. um, and he definitely will not be in commercial real estate. He's no. uh, he wants to save, save the, the world. People. He's saving right? the people. Yeah. Um, first, he's saving our family because he's told he's told all of us that we're not allowed to go out, talk to anyone. Even he's well, not even responsible. Sure yeah, he's, he's very responsible. Yeah. Um. So so Ben is is still in Portland. Ruben and Aaron are down in Tucson. Mm-hmm. So they're they're really kind of quarantined with um, roommates yep. and girlfriends. Yep. And um, and that's that. Well, can't can't guarantee behaving, but behaving in that. Context, well, they're not uh, out, like spreading the virus. So um, interesting that you mentioned that because last night I was hiking and these there were like. Packs of people hanging yeah. out. I don't think they out. understand um, that. Um, and they were these kids were out. Uh, hey, I've been been getting high all day because I'm all this crazy Corona stuff, and you know, and they have music blaring, and they're all hanging out, and I don't know. And so did you stop and give them a little piece of the betro? Um, you know, because that's what a sensor would do. Yeah. I, I did appropriately warn. How's that? But okay. I, I wasn't the only one, which was interesting. So there were other people that were right how there. How do they with take me. it? Because how do these um, how do the Gen Z? Take they don't want to hear it. Um, I I think what they don't understand, and I came very close to saying, is that they're very close to killing an entire generation. Yeah, I just think and, until they know and we know, else all we're asking is that they just isolate a little bit. Yeah. I've had to yell yeah. at Max a few times. I'm like, this isn't about you. This is about right. just, it's not like a serious, it's not you're going to war. You got mm-hmm. Netflix. Right. You know, you're not special. This is like, could be a hoax, but it isn't. 
I mean, yeah, you, had, you might think you're special. Well, he doesn't really think he's special. Of- it's just they've, they've never had any rules. The, mm-hmm. the phone is not about phone is about breaking rules. It's just everything mm-hmm. in your pocket. So it's really stressing these kids out. I, I think the other piece is that um, kids in this generation don't know how to be bored. Yeah. I'm dr- you know this has been I, a great two weeks. Yeah. They, they, they don't know how to. So I, I have not been bored. Um, I'm sure you have not been bored. No. But, um, but kids in this generation don't know how to, like, create be creative yeah. um, and look beyond like what is fed to them. Yeah. Guess and, what? I think that's what comes out of this crisis a lot more creativity. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, I hope. yeah, I, I'm, I'm confident the, um, so let's talk about panic and you've been through a few cycles here in Phoenix. And so that's what this show is panic with yeah. friends and family. We'll have to do a asterisk and family. Cause we'll have Ellen on to talk residential. Cool. Uh, if, uh, if we're not fighting, I'll get her on the show. The, uh, but the name of your company, when you start, you're a reformed lawyer. So, so how did that all happen? Take your time and and tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Um, so I, I graduated law school in 89, just in time to hit the market in a very, very deep recession, started practicing in California and then moved back to Phoenix a year and a half later after my husband was done with law school. And that was the SNL crisis, correct? That was during the SNL crisis. And that lasted really until, you know, enough for me to do lots and lots of REO work on the legal side and uh, represent some receivers and otherwise. And then I went in-house with Dell Webb, so a, a oh, large yeah. a master plan developer, kind of a, a trip down uh, history lane there, Howard, right? Yeah. Um, went, uh, w- went in with Dell Webb and was a practicing attorney there for a number of years, eight years, and then started a commercial division for them because I really was uh, – wanted to make my way into the deal side of it um, and be less about documenting and doing somebody else's deal, but really add value on the deal-making side. Mm -hmm. So started a commercial division. That was in 99 and um, did that for a few years. The internet bubble didn't hurt that. Was 99, did it tick down at all or was 99 just down? It did. So so it was, um, we had waiting lines um, in our community for investors. At Del Webb was, at um, that time. Out, out at Anthem um, and many had of Bill the Levine other. Had bought it yet? Yeah. Had they bought it yet? Sorry to interrupt. So, so they had made a uh, an offer to acquire, but they had not acquired. Got and it. they actually never did wind up uh, fully acquiring the, prop, oh. uh, uh, acquiring the company. That was done through Pulte, uh, right. Bill Pulte. Oh, okay. Yeah. And another large home builder, yeah. but based in Michigan instead. Yeah. So with Dell Webb for many years um, and started a commercial division, got so hooked on the you know commercial side of the business and actually doing the deals that uh, when Pulte acquired Dell Webb, um, I decided it might be time to do my own thing um, and started ROI properties uh, mm-hmm. at that time. So that was 2003. And 2003 was, was it a commercial. Time. There was no residential. It was all commercial. So commercial, um, but also a residential component. And we'll maybe talk about that for a mm-hmm. sec. But um, in 2003, the market was just crazy, booming, booming, selling, yeah, booming, booming, all kinds of crazy things. Kind of like 
2018 and 19 in Phoenix, okay. Arizona. Got it. We'll come to that. But um, so 2003, yeah. you start the company, and it was a hit. Start you had a few big clients from the beginning, or you just knew what yeah, you wanted um, to do? Yeah, a number or what of was your uh, institutional clients and a number of investors that I worked with um, on the commercial side of the business. But I kind of saw some trends um, that were building that led me to believe that the market was really, really overpriced um, at that time. So, you know, things like going to parties and having your waiter or waitress tell you that they own 12 single family homes as investment properties. You're saying that's a problem. That's a little bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that was so, 06 so, when your tingly started or 07? Well, or no, that was um, actually really, really early. So that was like 2004, 2005. And I really thought it was going to hit in 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. but it didn't hit as we all know until, you know, 2007 and then really was underway in 2008. And so what was so, that like? Because you had a manager. So that was a really wild uh, ride. And at the time, I was doing a lot of not only commercial, but a lot of single family residential mm-hmm. um, REO, real estate owned assets. So these were a lot of bank owned assets. And then on the commercial side, we were doing a lot of receivership work as well as REO assets, properties that had gone back to the bank on, on the CRE or commercial side. So, um, and then that took us all the way through. We were just doing crazy volume, you know, thousand deals, eight hundred thousand deals uh, a year for a long, uh, a long while. Um, and um, and then in two thousand fourteen, we really started to stabilize in our market. And so it was six was- years of of pretty much. Ugh. Yeah, six years of lots of property. I don't think people understand that. Like stock market yeah. goes down a month, people are freaking out. Like commercial real estate in Phoenix. Right was, was like center of the of um, you know there was maybe Florida and and Orange County Nevada. But Phoenix had Nevada. to be in Nevada yeah. but nobody cares yeah. but Phoenix was like a major city and Phoenix, so it was Phoenix like was a nuclear winter here yeah so Orlando Florida Miami um, uh, Las Vegas Nevada Phoenix Arizona were kind of the hot spots but um, so there was no time to panic people just walked away like i mean obviously there was the internal panic but like basically people were just walking away and just giving well, up well people yeah people walked away in part because people had no skin in the game so that was the big lesson right so so that was the big lesson both so in in on the residential side you know people don't have skin in the game because we have anti deficiency statutes here and in many parts of the the country um, on the commercial side, um, a lot of these deals, they're just, it was, the lenders got so panicked that even if there were personal guarantees or sure. skin in the game, they did workouts because there had been such so a- So what was that, 2010 through 14? So, that- so 2010 really through 2012, very heavy. Um, and then- Not we a fun time to be in your business. Yeah, not a fun, well, for me it was fun because I was doing all kinds of deals. I got it. <laughs> Yeah, we had very, very high transaction volume. And and fortunately, that continued as we just kind of moved into uh, more mainstream commercial um, as the market started to pick up. So really, we started to get to owner, occupant, buyers, and real investors trading on cap rate bases as opposed to buying by the pound. So it, was a buy, it went from buy the pound to cap rate finally. 
Yeah, and and into true true investment deals, truly like the way you would underwrite a commercial real estate asset. But with zero percent interest, it's also been silly for a few years. So this is like been inevitable that we'd have this kind of. Obviously, no one foresaw we, this, but right, we are way overdue for a correction in the market. So we were, I should say, we were way overdue for a correction in the market, and the correction is underway. And so how do you talk to people when like people don't know if their rent's going to be like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Like, this is a different panic than a because it's more like everybody was running at a hundred miles an hour, no warning. Now mm-hmm. people are saying, well, people can force majeure. I mean, you're a lawyer. Like how, how, what, right. what are you hearing? So, um, we do hear a lot of concern from our landlords. We're also hearing a lot of concern from tenants. I think people are just trying to really absorb what's going on in the market, but I'm already seeing lots of properties that have hit the market. So I think marginal businesses that, you know, maybe we're not doing super well during, uh, even the peak in our market, those businesses are now shutting down and the, our lender clients, you know, I have continually received BOV broker opinion of value requests um, on, on those for quite some time, but there was a rush of that um, Friday the 13th and then the following Monday. Um, and now it's just a steady trickle in of, of those types of properties because what they're trying to do is basically clear their books. So the properties, the things, people that are not, weren't going to make it in a strong market, they want to push those things through. They kind of know those people. Those properties, kinda, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get ready for the next wave. And what so is the next wave raising. though in a world where people now think there'll be a virus every year? Like, how do you get, like, whether they're founded or not, uh, in reality, how do you convince someone to, in this new world, in an era of work from home and teleconferencing, to go take big property bets? So I think people will be looking and underwriting real estate assets in a very different way. Okay, um, so walk through what you're thinking. So, you know, I think the the assets that will likely be hardest hit um well first of all if you if you read my newsletter i, I don't mm-hmm. know if you do but um multifamily has been so overpriced for so long and we've had so explain many explain multifamily to a young listener yeah. here so explain that versus sure so multifamily would be apartment for rent housing essentially um in a environment where you know, as compared to single family residential, where it would be a one home. Okay. Um, so multifamily, you'd be living at least four plex basically and beyond. Yeah. But what we've seen is, you know, a, a trend for large institutional properties in Phoenix. We have right now over 15,000 units that are under construction. Oh, yep. And, um, and we see a lot of coming down. Yeah. And, and we see a lot of properties that are currently being rented or properties that, um, have already been delivered in the marketplace. We have seen, you know, what we'll see is that occupancy will decrease pricing likely will come down. There won't be like a little reset. We're like at three months ago, Betro, when we were helping max, I was just appalled at the pricing. Or what right. people were getting. I mean, it was, they, people were not prepared for this. I mean, mm-hmm. max, like a one bedroom in Phoenix, a thousand bucks. Right. That's crazy. Too, too much, too much, too fast. And it just, it doesn't make any sense. So unfortunately, 
people that lose jobs or are scared are not going to be renting these class A apartments, right? right. They're probably going to move to a or class get a roommate, B, or they'll get a roommate, or maybe class A units come down to a more affordable price. Those, the owners of class A properties are likely going to have more flexibility in their pricing structure because those are institutionally financed. Hmm. And those deals, many of them do not have any any form of corporate guarantee. So um, you might find that pricing actually comes down on the um, Higher. Class A properties. Uh -huh. um, and class A is best of breed? You're saying? Yeah, best okay. of breed, newer complexes, the the all the facilities, trash concierge, right? Mm -hmm. All the all that crazy stuff. So if you're uh, like, let's say, uh, Ben uh, Ruben graduates, how would you help him negotiate a lease tomorrow? So um, I, would if you're on his like, side and, and on on Ruben's side, say Ruben, this is what you got to ask for. So I would probably say Ruben live in one of my rental units. I happen to have a, no, I know that, I happen to have obviously. a tenant vacating. We didn't let uh, Max do that. We said, Max live across the street from the place we own. Yeah. You're not, you don't deserve our place yet. So, so what would you say? So, of course you're going to give him, but I'm saying in a real right. world, a kid, a millennial who's like sees this packet, there's an opportunity for these kids. If they have to go rent now, what, what's the deal they should cut? So I would say that there's likely going to be opportunity not not quite yet, but I think it will be within even, as short as the next. No, but if they have to rent a place, what can they ask right. for right now? Oh, but if they yeah, have to I, rent I a place right now, is there any right kind of concessions? Today, or yeah, well, should um, they go? Then I think that there's people that are scared, mm -hmm. and I think that there likely will be some rent concessions. I think right now, believe it or not, it's actually difficult to access properties to even see if you want to uh -huh. live there Good because point. yeah, no one's yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing the same thing on the residential side. We actually can't hold open houses. Oh, we're yeah, not yeah, showing yeah. properties. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so it's it's very tough. So a kid that's looking to rent a unit now, I think there is a lot of concern in the marketplace. I think there is some negotiability. My suggestion would be wait a few weeks if they could just to see how this all, you know, shakes out, because I think that there'll be some strong incentives in the marketplace, whether that's class A B or C product. Um, and then within a couple of years, there likely will be opportunities for them to acquire. And yeah. guess what? They're going to be acquiring time. in a, in a market that's more realistic. And do you think rates stay? I know you and I are old school, but do you think rates can stay down this low? Um, so interestingly rates have kind of, they were super low. We I know they've shot up some, last week yeah. or two, but um, but we locked somebody in uh, with one of my mortgage brokers at 265. Um, I think it was actually Friday the 13th. And then it bumped up yeah, after that. It bumped up because everybody's panicking um, and rushing to dollars. So, but uh, do you think long term we still trend down in interest rates? I think so because I think we're going to need, there's going to need to be a lot of incentives to get people to the table to buy. People are shell shocked and will be shell shocked for quite some time. Yeah. So long term, it's like an interesting time to have capital. Mm -hmm. so this is like a huge wealth transfer again to smart people that have capital. Right. But and we're going to have to incentivize the regular people to get back out there. It's not going to be like right. people are not going to rush back out like a v, v recovery from this. Do you think we have a V or this is like different? So I think that's the question of the day. Are we long and deep? Are we short and shallow? You mm -hmm. know? And what's your and So to me, this feels longer and deeper. I know like even 
I read a B of A report today that said we'll be out of this in a few weeks, and this is a short and shallow, you know, recession. We're already in a recession, but we'll be in recovery before you know it. Mm. Okay, they have to say that. <laughs> yeah, but so I, what's I, take? so I think we might be looking at longer, deeper, and um, I think it just takes a really, really long time to recover from, you know, what thirty to thirty plus percent of your workforce, you know, in at least in the Phoenix area is impacted by what's happening right now in the restaurant and the hotel industries. I thought it would be higher. So it's only 30, 35. I think it's 30 to 33 percent. And does Phoenix track higher the most? So we're higher the most? Yeah, we're higher the most. Okay. But we're more like if this had happened in 08, it could have been the end of the city because we were very, Phoenix was all commercial real estate then. Now it's a more diversified city. I think now, finally, yes, we, we do have um, a number of different industries and a kind of burgeoning tech, in, you know, tech industries as well. So I think it's an exciting time for Phoenix as a whole. Um, right now, it's just a little, everybody's concerned and not like sure is, if their heads are screwed on straight, right? Do you remember a time that you've ever panicked? Um, I panic. So, so I try to turn my panic into action. So I might be shaking inside, but I, I just move forward. Like, what can I do to get to the other side of this thing? And so for us, it's just a hustle. You know, you got to hustle. Yeah. Someone else told me panic is his form of preparation every Mm -hmm. day. He's in a mild state of panic all the time. I think that's you. Adam's more calm. He's a little bit too calm. Well, is he shaking at all by this? Because he never shows anything. On the anything. outside, he's calm. On the inside, <laughs> a little different. Yeah, my brother-in-law, Adam's weighed the same since college. He's fluctuated three pounds, Canute. You wow. fluctuate three pounds an hour. He's, he's yeah. fluctuated that. <laughs> that's, that's about right. <laughs> Canute's lost three pounds in the last two hours. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I was going to okay. say, you look great I, from I the last podcast. I need to sign up for that diet. The, yeah. um, <laughs> so what's it like growing up? With two sisters. Let's get some a little bit of gossip. So you're not the twin. I am the other sister. So you're the other sister, but you started the sister yes. trip. Do you highly recommend sister trips? I highly recommend sister trips, and I can't wait to do our next one. And I I don't know about our next one. I think our next one is planned for September-ish, and I don't, I don't know what things look like in September. I, think- I had a trip to Portugal planned in... Um, early May and that's gone. That's Yeah, that's I was done. supposed to be in Mallorca this week or last week biking and I luckily got out of that. Although they yeah. they literally canceled everything too. And do they return your money, I think, for Portugal probably? Yes. The um so going forward, deep I'm with you. I'm not as an optimist, I'm like, come on, this is like a shock. Like you're gonna have to entice people to come out of their hole by the time this is over, at least the real buyers. And so, so you'll be amazed at how many value add buyers on the commercial real estate side will just what does come that mean? out like roaring, like they'll, they'll be out. It's just your owner occupant buyers, whether those are business owners looking mm-hmm. to occupy their own facilities or even owner occupants on the residential side. Um, that's, we got to over you know, get them over the hump of the fear in the marketplace. Yeah. And so what's the day like look now in the middle of the panic? So how do you manage that? Because how many people are at uh, ROI? 
So we have uh, 14 full-time employees, and then I have uh, 12 independent contractors uh, as well. So what's so? Who are you talking to mostly right now? Buyers or sellers or 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 your employees or like what? If there's nothing to be done, what what does a, a good commercial person do right now? So there's always work to be done, yeah. and we're kind of pivoting, if you will, um, in our strategies. Uh, right now, it's a ton of valuation work for a lot of our clients, um, and so they're trying to get their arms around property values now and then, you know, on a go-forward basis what those look like. So those are for properties that might already be in a um, distressed state um, or default, uh-huh. and then the next phase will be all about you know, properties that, that go into default as a result of this, you know, pandemic. And that, that's interesting because there's going to be some opportunities here. No question. And, and those will come fast, won't they? I mean, you may not make, want to make decisions for a few months, but there's going to be a lot of stuff happening quickly. No, I think so. Because I think there'll be a lot of, you know, business owners that again, you know, are going to need to start selling assets to be able to keep up with their payroll. Got it. Um, there are, you know, a lot of great incentive programs that are out there. SBA has some great, you know, loans. There's all these disaster, you know, loans and things like that. But so that's what you're 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 making that you got to explain that to all your customers, I guess, your clients. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of there's a lot of assistance available, which you're. you're there's a lot of that. assistance available, which might be able to keep them you know, going. Uh-huh. Some of them, you know, some of the discussion points that, that we talk about with people is, guess what? If you're selling now, even though things look really scary, you're selling off of market peak numbers. You're right. selling off of numbers that are looking very, very strong. And guess what? You already have a lot of equity in that property. Yeah, so panic now. Maybe now yeah. is not a, the right time, you know, to like, just go with it. Instead, maybe you want to actually think about selling. So there's some potential motivation there to sell mm-hmm. um, as the market does its thing. You know, you don't want to catch the falling knife, right? You want to be ahead of all of that. Mm-hmm. And what areas of Phoenix, like, are you most interested in as commercial? Um, I mean, we work the greater Phoenix area, but yeah. me personally, yeah, from you personally. an investment perspective, you know, I'm, I'm an urban gal. Uh-huh. So in general, you know, I would, I really like the Central Avenue corridor. I like a lot of the really fun and unique kind of historic districts. Um, I like the Camelback corridor. So those are the areas that really are of interest to me on the commercial side, the residential side. I think that there's a lot of areas that are currently overpriced that likely will come down. And then I think that there's a lot of opportunity in areas that are kind of, um, you know, maybe areas that don't have as much of an identity, you know, that that maybe need a little bit of a boost. I think there'll be some opportunities there. So that might be kind of the Squaw Peak Corridor, 32nd and Shea, those areas like that huh. on the residential side. What is the um, city that you think just gets hammered the most commercially? Which city will get yeah. hammered the most? Have you in thought the about that? No, in, in just America. Have you do because you read a lot? Have you thought about like where like trends are going to come out of this? You know, I think 
kind of hard to say, but I think that we'll, we might see a movement toward, you know, away from some of these larger cities and maybe into kind of more of a suburban, um, more lifestyle driven types of environments. I think people like when you look at people that are in New York City right now, you know, in Manhattan, they're, everybody's walking around with a mask on. Everybody's living so close that nobody has an opportunity to breathe. Mm hmm. Oh, and that was a trend that was just accelerating, right? Let's get back right. into the urban, the urban thing. Yeah. So I think that's a shockwave that is going to, yeah, that may just reverse a trend. Yeah, it might, mm -hmm. but I, I, who knows? You know, I think we're very so early stage. Yeah, we're still early in this. Okay, mm -hmm. so you're you're locked down another couple of weeks. What are you going to give it? Two more weeks before you step out. What? before you step out into the real world oh, again? Out outside. Oh, who knows? I think I have to see lots of information and stats before I, I really know. I have been hiking every day, so that's good. Mm -hmm. It's a good way to give the brain a break, good mm -hmm. way to give the body uh, some motion, right, mm -hmm. that, that we need. Mm -hmm. I'm used to being in meetings all day long, every single day, breakfast, mm -hmm. lunch, dinner, making presentations, the whole deal. So this is, um, this is unusual for me. Yeah. But but very productive, so that's good, particularly as we're changing, that we have a change in the marketplace. Yep. All right. Well, I think uh, I've uh, really got a good – but you're bullish on Phoenix. Bullish on Phoenix. Love Phoenix. Think there's all kinds of great opportunity. Think that, you know, we have all of what it takes to really – um, you know, make businesses accelerate and lots to offer employees working for these, you know, more entrepreneurial businesses and startups as well. Do you get a lot of uh, out-of-towners or are you focused mainly on locals? So I would say a lot of our investors in the market over the last two years have all been California 1031 buyers. California, and what's a 1031? Explain it to people. Uh, tax deferred exchange. So you sell one property known as your down leg deal and you have 180 days to place. Um, and so you have a replacement property. And if you don't place uh, and acquire a new property within that time period, then you have a taxable effect. So capital gains taxes. Um, and so really that one of the great gifts of real estate, great gifts of real estate. Yes. And um, so that's that has really been a lot of our buyer base. It's speci specifically in, um, you know, any kind of income producing property. So a lot of our multifamily deals, multi-tenant office, industrial, net lease properties, single tenant net lease properties have all been predominantly uh, plug and play mailbox money you know, deals, 1031 deals uh, are coming out of, uh, you know, California where okay. pricing is much higher. Yeah. I'm super bullish on Phoenix. It took a while for me to get the, uh, the vibe back, but, uh, watching you and, uh, Ellen work, seems like, uh, the sisters are a dynamic duo. I'm going to have Ellen on to talk about residential. Cool. Yeah. That'd be great. Fun. Okay. Okay. Say hi to Adam. Will do. And thanks for, uh, dropping some knowledge on us, Canute. Thank All you so right. much. I appreciate it. Okay. See you, Betra. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Sure. No panic there. Believe no. me, there's Common chaos collected. in oh, commercial. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chaos. There's this chaos whole in the, the whole real estate 
yeah. industry right now. Right now. People are, are they going to pay? Are they not going to pay? Do I, you know, think about so glad the, I'm think not Think about all the deals person. that are in the, in the process in escrow. And people are going to pull out. So Friday, stressful. You know, so stressful. All right. Two down, two more to go today on Panic with Friends. That was Beth Joe Zeitzer, my sister-in-law and uh, commercial uh, superstar here in uh, Arizona, ROI Properties. And we will uh, talk to everybody soon on the next podcast. Thanks, Knut. Thank you.